I do a lot more uh, things as well. Uh, I have actually four jobs. That's, that's one of the things I spend a lot of time on. But I do a lot of uh, equipping. You can imagine how in a network of relational churches where every church is, is familial. Everybody's with like 15, 20 people all living very deep, authentic lives spiritually together. The training has to be through the roof. I mean, you can't, all these people are just regular people like you and I. They're, they're not, you know, people that are seminary trained, but they're trained on very ground level understandings of the kingdom. Uh, so we have a whole thing we run called Blueprint. that We train people all around the world uh, in just very simple ways of maturity. We, we believe very highly that you can attain and live within maturity. Uh, not that you ever stop growing, but that it is possible in the Holy Spirit to really live the life Jesus called us to. But a, a lot of the ways the American church runs, a lot of things we all fight for with each other, sometimes they don't get us there. Sometimes we're always kind of going like, man, one sermon at a time. Will I ever really know the word of God? Uh, so we work on a lot of training things together. Oh, that's me. Wow, that's weird. Uh, it's like, I don't even know where that came from. Uh, Man, that's weird. Uh, so I, I do a whole host of things. Probably the, the, the furthest out kind of thing on the other side is uh, I run a thing called Cultivate Greenville. It's a nonprofit in the city where I just uh, drive around a big old dump trailer. I throw in high school kids, not into the trailer, into the truck. And, uh, and we just do like ground level disciple making while we do the hardest jobs we can find in Greenville. So if someone calls up and goes... I've got this attic with stuff from the 1800s. There's probably bears living in there. They call us, and I, I rally up a bunch of high school guys that want to be discipled, and we just work on the kingdom of God while we're getting bloody and dirty and nasty, and it's super, super fun. So I have a, a really weird life in some ways, yet it's very uh, simple. It's very uh, fun, and uh, there's a lot of things. I love fighting. I'm a, I grew up uh, kind of UFC fighter, and I love love fighting. I love surfing. I love, uh, I love about everything. I'm one of those guys that's like, Every, I want to do everything, right? And my life is so short, and I am getting older, so I'm, I've got a dislocated shoulder and a, and a slightly broken back right now, so I'm having to like slow down with how many people I fight at one time. So it's a, it's, it's a different world. All right, that's a lot about me. Let's uh, move on to you. What, uh, y'all, what do y'all think about uh, trying something tonight? Uh, I've got lots of options what we can do. I did bring a prop in case you say yes to what I'm offering you. Uh, but I can even do this several ways. Uh, what do you think about tonight? Um, we go for something that's... Um, a lot of times when I, when I do training of people, what people want is like a sermon. Like we're kind of conditioned to want that. And nothing's bad about that. But a lot of times sermons, what we do is we start with a topic that you don't know you want. And we teach it to you. And then you get it in your head. And maybe tomorrow you remember it and try it in the future. Right? That's a lot of how sermons are built. We, we come to a stage like this. We come to a room like this. And you're like, oh, man, he's funny. Oh, man, he's likable. Oh, man, she made a good point. And you write it down, and maybe tomorrow while you're fixing your sandwich, you're like, maybe I should love my neighbor. Uh, and so you start to kind of do the sermon. But the problem is a lot of times life doesn't work like that, right? And if you see the way Christ interacts with people, a lot of times what he's calling people to demands immediacy. Like you experience the truth because it is true here and now. It's not in your pocket just for tomorrow. Nothing's wrong with sermons. Nothing's wrong with theological training that can be applied tomorrow. But what would you say about trying something tonight that what we talk about, we're going to do in the room? Whether you do it tomorrow or not, that's up to you. But what would you say we try something in the space tonight? Is everybody feeling like an experiential vibe? We're going to say it and do it. You with me on that? Any, 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 any people like, nah, we just want to hear about it. All right, you, you can vote. We can do democracy. Um, what would you say if we try to aim at an engagement and interaction with the living Holy Spirit from within us before we leave the room tonight. Would that be a, a fun thing, adventurous thing to try? Wow. All right, so we're not going to push anything. Don't be like, yo, is this the thing where everybody runs around, does cartwheels, and I can't understand what they're saying? Uh, I'm not limiting you. I am not saying no. 
I'm just saying, if you haven't stretched, don't worry about the cartwheel. We're not, we're not doing necessarily that. But we're going to go for a very simple engagement of the living holy God from within inside of you. Very simple. To know that before you leave tonight, God is not simply out there or around here. We don't have to sing songs about filling the place. We would just really look at a simple interaction with the living God from deep within. You want to go for it? Yeah. All right, cool. Majority rules. Y'all want to go for it? Yeah. All right, cool. I'm not the. I'm not going to facilitate. I'm not anything magical. All I'm going to do is create the space. You got to bring the thunder. So when uh, when we do this, let's begin with a little thunder. I like to begin with a little ditty called the Shema. It's from Mark chapter 12. If you'll stand with me, let's begin with this. And this is kind of a battle cry of of your heart. So stand with me. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'll say it first. I'm going to say it one time clearly. Oh, yeah, we got time. Oh, man, we got time. Oh, we're going to have fun. Okay, so I just checked my watch. I was like, can I do this? All right, we got time. So we're going to start with the, with the Diddy. I'm going to say it out loud just so you hear it first. And then if you want to repeat it, you repeat it after me. This is a good way to grab hold of who in the room really wants something tonight. Who's, who's feeling like you want to do some war? You know, Who's feeling like you want to grow and be equipped and mature? So... The Shema, which is the Hebrew word for hear, it doesn't mean just listen, it means to do and be. Uh, here's the way that words go from Mark chapter 12. Don't say them yet, just listen to me. Hear, O Israel. It's hard for me to say it this like uh, low-key, by the way. I'm like having to calm myself down. All right, hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. So it's a battle cry to say, hey, y'all, followers of Jesus, listen up. There is one God and he exists in all space and all times. So hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. So, translation, all of you. Love God, sacrificially treasure God. Are you willing to go to that place in the next 30 minutes? And then we finish it by saying, we love your neighbor as yourself. And then when you say amen, let's actually let that be like, like just like what in the world level. Because amen means so be it. Like we're going to do this thing, right? So uh, if, you're, if you don't want to say it, if you're a little bit like, I don't like saying things I don't believe in, then just chill. No, no one's, you don't have to say anything. You're standing, you obeyed me to that far, you don't have to say anything. But if you, you dig what I just said, and say these words after me. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God. With all of your heart. With all of your heart. With all of your soul. With all your soul. With all of your mind. With all your strength, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Amen. All right, have a seat. All right, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. Uh, I'm not a crowd hypey person, so I'm not. I'm not the guy that's like you're gonna shoot shirts out of a cannon to get you hyped for Jesus. Uh, I really am being serious. Like I think we'll, we'll go for something tonight that I think should be kind of fun. Uh, let me get some uh, props out. You're like, yeah, he's not into gimmicks yet. He's bringing out a box of props. Uh, okay, but this is something I've been working on. I've been teaching my seven-year-old son about the Holy Spirit, and he was like, wasn't getting it. So I was like, we're going to go all the way. Uh, so uh, y'all are going to get the seven-year-old version, which I think is sometimes the best version of how we think about the Holy Spirit. Okay, So let me get a few things out here, and let's begin uh, with a simple idea. In the beginning, God created the what? Scripturally speaking, in the beginning, God created, how is it listed? The heavens and the earth, okay? Heavens meaning skies, earth meaning the ball of dirt that we stand upon right now. 
When He created it, Genesis chapter 1, it's listed as being formless and without void. Okay, so imagine a ball of dirt. You're like, dude, we talking about, like, what are we talking about, your creation or the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it's all the same, so get ready. So, so the, 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 the world, God creates it, but it's a formless, empty ball of dirt. I mean, it's like every other ball you see floating around the universe. The moon, pretty, pretty ugly deal. And the sun shines on it every once in a while. We're like, oh, it looks like a fingernail. That's only because the sun's hitting the moon. It's really just a ball of dirt floating up there. That was what we were standing on. The word in Hebrew, the words, are the word tohu vavohu, formless, empty, chaotic. Say these words after me. Tohu vavohu. It's a ball of dirt, formless, empty, chaotic, and God creates it. But then in the next verse, the Spirit of God begins to hover over the earth. The Spirit of God. The word there is the word ruach. Say ruach. 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 Hey, a We're way deep in there. Get it. Get it out. Ruach. Um, This is the spirit of God. So Elohim, God, creates the heavens and the earth. And God, an extension of himself, a person of him, begins to hover around it. And almost like as a mother hen sits on the egg, something's about to happen. It's It's a canvas ready to be painted on. Something without this moment, without the spirit hovering, it's just a ball of dirt. It's a it's a car without an engine. It's the office without Jim Halpert, right? It doesn't work. You've got to have the full thing for it to really have its meaning and really have its integrity. It's tohu bavohu. Now, as the spirit hovers over it, we get what we now see: an earth that has life. The spirit brings life. Understand that. This is a, the Holy Spirit of God, a set-apart spirit that is God's spirit that hovers over the earth. Now, the word ruach means breath, wind. It is an extension of who God is, breath, wind, ruach. That's the spirit of God hovering over the earth. Tohu vohu becomes life, it becomes good, it becomes wonderful. Then within the earth, God then, later on in the story, go forward a chapter, takes some dirt from the earth, takes the dirt, looks at the dirt, and says, I'm going to make man out of this. I'm going to make the most complex, the most intense, the most beautiful, the magnificent physical creation God will make. It starts with some dirt. Very similarly to the earth itself. Tohu vavohu. It's simple. And this is part of the paradox of what it means to be a human. Maybe you know this too well, that we have an aspect of us that is from dirt, that is just the ground, that to to dust we've come from, to dust we shall return. We're going to define this a little bit more in a minute, but let me go forward and say that God takes this dirt and he breathes life into the dirt. We've seen this before already. In chapter 1, he does it with the earth. And then we see in chapter 2, he does it to create mankind. His breath breathes in. Ruach. Just take a second and let's breathe. And just imagine the picture. God picks up dirt, forms it into the shape of man. And if you'll go with me, take a deep breath in through your nose. Just hold it. He breathes into the dirt. And what comes from that, 
What comes from that, in Genesis 2, verse 7, is into his nostrils the breath of life of God enters into this dirt, and the dirt now is animated into life. Unlike any other part of creation, God makes humans uniquely different. We're not angels because we're not purely spiritual beings. We're not animals because we're not purely physical beings. We are a paradox, right? We're spiritual and physical. We are physical dirt, breathed in by God, animated by his set-apart spirit, and now we reflect the image of God because John 4 says God is spirit, and now we are spirit. You with me so far? Yeah. Okay. You sure you're with me? If you're already going like, whoa, bro, hold up, then I want to go a lot faster. I'm going to go pretty fast. Okay, we're going to cover, we're just in Genesis. We've got to get all the way, you know, to the end. So uh, with me so far, Ruach, the breath of God, the spirit of God animates dirt. And here we are. We are dust and to dust we will return. And yet we are indwelled by the spirit of God that animates us. We are not a dog. We are not an angel. We are a unique creation that the rest of the cosmos looks at and goes, man, that's pretty crazy. The angels were singing for joy when we were made. They were like, what is this? This isn't like us. You with me? Any questions so far? It's kind of dark. You have to really like yell, but you good? All right, let's take it a little further. God breathes into us this life, but to make this illustration go a little further, let me... Um, let me scoot, I'm going to scoot this a little to the side. I'm going to mess something up big. Or I mean, y'all might can see it as it is. Can you see my little illustration up here okay if I pull this back? Okay, can you see that okay? Is it too low at the bottom for you? We need to move this? Good, you see it? Okay, cool. So for the rest of the illustration, let's take the dirt, the physical parts of us, and let's just put it in here. And this entire, this entire little deal right here, I'm going to move it just in case you can't see it. Uh, this the thing right here, let's take it and let's imagine that this dirt... What it is, it represents the physical parts of us. This is a human. This is, this is us. This is who we are. And we are made up of three physical components. Okay, this is, this is 101. This is every human should understand this and agree that this is not a Christian worldview. These first three components, everybody should understand this because it's true and it's real and it's observable. We are mind. We are heart. And we are strength or body. When you think about the physical nature of what it means to be a human, you could say the physical nature of what it means to be a dog, right? Dogs have minds. Dogs have hearts. Dogs have bodies. We are like animals in that sense. We may have broader minds that comprehend more, bigger hearts, but let's define these things out for humans and see what this is. A mind is how you think, how you process, how you understand the world around you, how you come up with thoughts. What are the way things that, that, that you, the constructs of how you process the world around you? That's part of what it means to have a mind. If you're at Furman, they really push the mind really hard for four years. And typically, Furman students say things like, I cannot even breathe because I have to study. You know, I've got more stuff to jam into my mind. That's part of what Furman obviously believes in is development of the mind. Then there's the heart, the, the feelings, the emotions, the desires, the fears. What are you fe- fearing right now? If you've ever had a desire, it doesn't come from your mind, it comes from your heart. And when I say heart, don't, don't think about this. And don't think about something drawn, don't think about little, you know, don't think about something drawn. It's, it's a part of physically where your mind is, but it's an aspect of how God has made us 
that we're built with desires. We're built to prefer things. One person walks into an ice cream shop, chocolate, and then I walk in, I'm like, who would order chocolate? Oh, you never do that, you know? So I'm ordering like coffee, and my wife's like, you drink coffee, you don't eat it. And so we're, everybody's got these different preferences. It's all desire-based. Maybe you're thinking about dating somebody, and somebody else looks at somebody and goes, I'd do anything to be with that person. You look at them, and you're like, pass. And you're like, what is that? Are you just a jerk? Or is it, is it that you look at people and go, I have different desires. That's how we're built. God made us that way, unique, unique minds, unique hearts. And lastly, the strength, the strength that we all have is the resources, our physical body, our time, our energy, our money. This represents part of who we are. But in the initial creation, we were also made with a soul. What is a soul? Why well, debate over this? It's an aspect of who we are as humans. This meant to be the radiating central thing that drives us in all of life. The mind, the heart, the body. They, they get their information. They get their value. They get their integrity because the soul radiates. The soul is the center of all things. And yet, in the third chapter of the Bible, this idea of God making us both physical and spiritual turns into a drawing a lot like this. Eve makes a decision. She makes a decision in the moment to say, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to follow this. And Adam makes the same decision. Adam, Adama, Adam, from the dirt, dirt man, makes the same decision to live from the physical being. If you study what causes Eve to actually eat the fruit, it's a clear example right here. What happens is she's not living from a place of the soul. She sees it and, it, and it says three things. She wants wisdom, right? She sees that it's desirable. She sees that it's good for food. What she's doing is being tempted by the enemy to go live from the physical. That's all you got. Like, if you're hungry, eat it. You know what I mean? Same things that go after Jesus on when he's being tempted. Satan's like, live after the physical. You're hungry? You ought to eat. And so the idea of the enemy was always to train humans to think if we could just work on our minds, work on our hearts, and manage our time better. If we could just be more fit, like the right things, and like, like live from our feelings, and if we could just get smarter, then we would be who we're supposed to be. And that's always been the ploy. Are you with me? It's always been the ploy. It's always been just try to develop your mind. Eve, you need wisdom, right? You, you need to eat, right? You need to do what's desirable for your eyes. You do what you want. So she does it. She forsakes the core idea of what it means to be made in the image of God. And the result of that is death, separation. The result of that is this. A life that now when we live, we live in this way in which the driving force of humanity has become our flesh. Our flesh, our flesh, our flesh. And the mass of people live lives trying to make sense of the world rather than understanding we just can't. Like, you're never going to figure out COVID fully. You're never going to solve all the racial issues of the world because they're not being waged in the mere flesh. These things are bigger than this. These things are, are, are symptoms of a larger problem. These things are, there's a bigger narrative going on. If a bunch of people sit in a room and flesh it out for six hours, it's not going to get anywhere. You might, you might look, make things sound a little better. You might solve a couple problems here and there, but you're not really getting at the core of things because here's the problem. Our mind, when we try to develop our minds, we are up against a really difficult problem. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. 
So for those of you who are going, dude, shut up, man. I like my mind. I, I, mean, I, got, the, I got a good GPA. I, got a, I mean, I, I, I study all the time. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I got you, man. I, my mind is my mind. That's what makes me in charge of life, man. I got it. I, I'd say this. In college, you're going to be worked over at Furman to train your intellect as high as it can get to understand the physical world around you. But at what expense are you ignoring the spiritual world around you? If you're just developing your mind, around making sense of the world, that isn't the fullness of reality. That's not our reality. Our reality is not just a physical reality. So sometimes there's this idea that Christians are dumb and we turn off our brains, but no, the invitation of Christianity is to fully allow your brain to understand beyond what's physical, right? Christians should be the smartest people out there because we're expanding our brains to go, what if this is more than it seems? What if I'm sitting here and this guy is about to die, but what if in the spiritual realm my mind gets renewed to the reality of a spiritual realm that might bring about healing of this guy? That takes intellectual capacity. Are you with me? You have to rethink, you have to expand your brain to go, yes, one plus one equals two, but is there a possibility in the spiritual realm that some guy can take somebody's snack pack lunch and feed 5,000? Is it possible? You know what I mean? Your mind can't be limited to physicality or you're living in a way that is of the flesh and the joke, which is not a ha-ha joke, it's a sad joke, will be on us. You graduate Cle Clemson, Furman, Anderson, you graduate, you go get the smartest job in the world, you go to you use your brain fully, that's great. Nowhere in the Bible we're told to be dumb. That's not what it's saying, like to be ignorant, to not learn things. You're supposed to be thinking beyond just what Furman is teaching you, beyond your classes. How does your major move the kingdom of God and advance it? That's what you're supposed to be thinking. I was a civil engineer years ago. And I used to go into work every day and be like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. I mean, like, I, I like, anybody could do this. I, I, Clemson was hard. I studied at Clemson, got out, and then I, I get, got this job, super hard job. I used to go to work every day, and I was like, this is dumb. I'm just going to sit behind a computer, design some dumb Walmart in some dumb city in some dumb state. I, I'm never going to go to it. And, and basically, I'm not even designing the Walmarts. I'm designing the poo-poo systems, like the sewer systems. That's what I'm doing. So I'm like, dur, 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 running numbers. Will, will a poop fit through this pipe? I don't know. Dur, 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 dur. And I'm like, what in the world? My, my kids are going to grow up and be like, Dad, what do you do every day? I'm like, hey, you know, you poop. I'm there. You know, that's what we do. That's what I'm doing. I'm like, this is dumb. I'm going to do this. I used to literally look out the window and see a guy doing landscaping. And, and like, if you could ever imagine the literal phrase, the grass is greener. I was like, I want to be a landscaper because you're doing things. I'm like, dur, 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 dur. I want to do this, man. And then one day the Spirit got a hold of me and started to work with my mind and go, what if, Stuart, you're sitting around a bunch of people made in my image that don't know it? And over about a year's time, three or four people from my engineering company became followers of Jesus. Over a year's time, now like everybody started stopping by my desk and looking at this little board I would write just with little quotes of the day, and they'd come in dialogue about it. Over another year's time, I learned that the work I was doing was the kind of work you would do in heaven, that what you do to allow people to go to a Walmart in the middle of the night when your child is sick and has a fever and they could die, I'm just a little piece of making sure that Shalom could come to that family in North Carolina because of that Walmart. And the kingdom changes your brain, right? Changes everything. So that all you do, you do with the Lord. Now, what about your heart? You say, well, man, I just do what I feel, man. If I feel it, do it. You know, like just, just, you know that, that's what should drive everything, right? Wasn't that 2019? If you don't feel like doing this, don't do it. If you do feel like this, don't do it. It's just how you feel. It's everything's feel. Everything's emotion. Nothing's wrong with emotion. The question is, could you have a broader view of emotion beyond emotions rule you? 
Could you have such a broad kingdom view of emotions that you'd understand that Jeremiah teaches us that the heart is deceitful among all things? And sometimes what you want, it's not that it's wrong, it's just that it's not enough. And if you would listen to what God wants for you from the kingdom of God, from a spiritual realm, it will blow the socks off what you think you want. You know, I mean, when I was in high school, you know what I wanted? I wanted to date every, I wanted to always be dating a girl. You know, the other day I was going to the attic and found this list of girls' names. You know, and I was like, was I like a stalker in high school? I don't remember this, you know what I mean? And so I was like, oh, Katie, oh, Angela, oh, Heather. I was like, these are the girls I dated. I kept a list. And then I started realizing there was like a, I'm dating them list, and then there was a, I want to date them list. And I was like, what kind of, I mean, I wasn't a believer in high school, so pretty, like, I, you can always say that, like, I murdered 20 people, but I wasn't a believer. Uh, but anyway, I, I, was, I wasn't a believer in high school. So, but my way of desire was to go, I, I'm insecure, I don't want to be alone, and so I've got to attach to the girl in front of me, and then it's the next girl, and then it's the next girl. And then I became a believer at 19 years old, and I realized what Jesus was offering me was not a life of monk-like isolation, where I was like, women are the devil. I mean, that was not what it was. But it was a way of thinking that what if it wasn't about just like winning the girl so that you didn't feel insecure? What if it was a way of offering your life to a woman to make her more beautiful and wonderful and more um, uh, just attached to the living God? What if I could serve somebody with all that I am for all of my days? And so I'm 22 years into marriage following Jesus, loving the same woman, and I can't wait to leave here tonight to go see her. I miss her in this moment. She, she's my, my passion next to Jesus. And how do you get that? How, how, how do you get that? You, you get that because the Spirit can bring that to you. Are you with me? Yeah. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of feeling. And for your body, for your strength, it's a different way of, of thinking about strength. Because what if Matthew 26, verse 41 is right when Jesus says the flesh is weak? What if you're not just your muscles? What if you're not just your income? What if actually the kingdom of God, income could be, if you're rich, maybe entering the kingdom is a little bit harder sometimes because you fall in love with money. Not that income's wrong, but what if it provides new ways of falling into traps? What if, what if being poor isn't the worst thing in the world? What if you struggling through some things with your strength? What if you actually getting cancer one day isn't something we're all going to celebrate, but it's a way God chooses to meet with you in a unique way? The kingdom of God reverses all this. But the only way to get this type of understanding is you have to start rethinking the whole equation. You have to start understanding the kingdom of God as being like God puts this thing, right? Little, little thing right there in the middle when you become a believer. When you decide to trust in Jesus as your Lord, Savior, and King, the New Testament teaches without a doubt that the Holy Spirit of God begins to fill this void, Right? What we were doing is it was empty, so we were only attracted outward. We were going, shape up the mind, shape up the body, shape up the feelings, feel, feel, feel. And what Jesus offers is a way of going, yeah, I mean, we'll grow these things too. But what if you looked inward? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I, God, right? The way we pray up. And Jesus is going, no, not up, in. What I'm trying to do is you once had an earth where the Spirit hovered over, but I made humans so that the Spirit indwelled. And for the majority of the real estate of the Bible and the majority of the real estate since then, most of us live lives completely ignorant of what the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and he's kind of that weird uncle you don't talk about in the Trinity. We don't, we don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit because it feels weird. We're all about God and all about Jesus, but if you listen to Jesus and you're really all about Jesus, he says we should be all about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He says, I'm, someone's coming after me, and you'd be focused on the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at some texts in a minute, but before we look at a couple of verses, and then we're going to do some prayer, some interaction with the Holy Spirit, let me say one more quick thing. That even when you think about the Holy Spirit, let me give you a few verses on this. 
There's going to be some things Jesus is going to say to us. Like John 3, 8, be born of the Spirit. Be born of the Spirit. Or like Ephesians 1, 13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. But there's this tension in the scriptures we're going to deal with as we experience the Holy Spirit, hopefully more and more. And you could be experiencing the Holy Spirit now. But I've got this little light I'm going to turn on. Not too cheesy, I hope. I hope it even works. Yeah, there we go. I want to, I want to introduce you to another concept, though, that is really the, the text of the New Testament, what it's pushing us towards, is not just the possession of the Holy Spirit, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen a really drunk person on Furman's campus before? you ever seen somebody, like, late at night, they're just out of control? They, they, they really, they just, they're just blumbering, bubbling around, they're violent, they're sobbing, whatever they're doing. Ephesians chapter 5 says, do not get drunk with wine. And a lot of people are like, yes, see, I told you not to drink. Well, that's not the point of the passage, though. The point of the passage is, comma, be filled with the what? Spirit. And what, what the Bible is leading us to is a way, let me give you a couple things. John 3, God gives the spirit without limit. So it's not just like dab a little spirit and like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit, I'm in. That's not what he's saying. You want to live life to the fullest? You have to learn to let this radiate. Learn to connect with God in the deepest of ways from deep within you. John 7, 38 through 39. Whoever believes in me, the scriptures have said, out of his heart, listen to this, will flow rivers of living water. Not just a tiny little stream. Maybe there's, uh, maybe you heard from the Holy Spirit maybe once in the last seven years. That's not what he's saying. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. How does it get to the heart? Because that's what the Spirit does. It infiltrates the mind, the heart. It renews the mind. And it's endless supply of spiritual power for those who receive the gospel. John 14 says the Spirit will teach you all things. John 16 says the Spirit will guide you into all truth. Romans 8 says for those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, which brings up a question. If you do not know the Holy Spirit, are you a son or daughter of God? Like, I love the altar call that happened when we were seven years old, but it, it, what are we doing? You know what I mean? It's not, don't go like, whoa, did he just tell me I'm not a Christian? I'm just saying, wh- why would we get into the argument of like, am I a Christian or not? Why wouldn't you just fully try to align with all that God's inviting you to? Who cares when you became a believer? Who cares if it was legitimate? The question is right now, do you want to be led by the Spirit of God or do you not? All right, you ready? Let's try it. You good? We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to press into God for a few minutes and see what happens. I only have a few minutes, so let's, let's make sure we do this well and use our time well. I'm going to lead us through about maybe eight minutes, something like that, of some time. If you're on leadership, if you would not mind, um, maybe, or we may want to pray over people, if you wouldn't mind kind of like getting around the edges of the room, if you're okay, if you're on a prayer team or whatever, just like get around the edges of the room if you want. And I'm going to prompt um, some people, to, to uh, the, the, the people who want to pray over people, to pray. I, I would love to stay and pray over anybody after, but if you will let me be off limits for praying over you for the next few minutes, I'm going to do my praying over everyone. And here's the goal. If right now you're going like, we're wrapping up, right? Yeah, I'm hungry, right? You know, you're probably going to miss this. But what I want you to do is ask yourself if for eight, maybe nine minutes, you give it your all. We're going to try to press in and allow you to have a, just a simple, simple dialogue with God through the Holy Spirit in a safe biblical manner that's really not safe at all but it's biblical okay so let's begin if you will uh, go ahead and put yourself in any kind of posture you want to be in if you feel cramped feel like you're sitting with the guys and it might get a little bit like weird if you and the spirit start doing something if you need to kind of separate out that's fine just get your space get comfortable if you need to if you need to be laying down or in a posture of kneeling or whatever you feel is comfortable any point in time that you feel like you want someone else praying over you i'm just going to leave the space on the sides for this Let's go. Let's go with movement number one. We'll do maybe three of these, maybe four.
If you'll bow with me. Just close your eyes if you need to, just for eliminating distractions. Let's start with this simple question. Have you ever experienced the living God, the Holy Spirit of God, from within you? Should we just answer that question for a minute? Think back to the last time, maybe the first time, maybe even the only time, that there was something that Jesus promised so deep within you that you knew it was beyond your flesh. You knew it wasn't speaker guy forcing it. You know it wasn't the emotions of the moment. You knew the living God wasn't up there. He was in here. If right now you are asking yourself, man, have I ever? Now I want to bring you to the edge and tell you that if right now you place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will receive the Holy Spirit. So just listen to my words. If you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, you've never experienced salvation, this is not a pressured thing, but I want to invite you that if right now you just feel like the gospel has become stale, maybe you believed it when you were like a little kid, and you haven't revisited it in a lot of years, and you're wondering, like, as I grew up, do I believe in the gospel? I want to invite you to just go to the edges of the room. If you're, you know, feel like bold enough to do this, just go and let one of the leaders just lay hands on you. And as I pray the gospel out loud, if the leaders on the side, if anybody does want to come and receive prayer, then you can just lay hands on them as well and just speak the gospel over them, okay? So if anybody just would appreciate someone connecting with them right now as they are pressing into the Holy Spirit, then just go to the edges of the room and just allow someone to just put their hands on your shoulder. Let me, let me speak the gospel over you. Number one, first thing I want to say is this. Jesus, um, you are a Lord, you're a Savior, and a King. You have lived, died, and resurrected. If anybody in here has been just like kind of like pretending the deal, but they know deep in their soul nothing's going on, then would you right now present to them the reality of what Jesus has accomplished? And right now, would you give them a simple affirmation from the Holy Spirit that speaks to them and says something like, You are mine, you are adopted. You are precious, you are priceless, you are worth dying for. Whatever you want to say, God, through the Holy Spirit, give everybody in here through faith in the gospel a simple affirmation from you, God, that they are yours, that they are sons and daughters. Now, as we keep praying, if some of you are feeling like you know, this is, this is good, but I love the simplicity of the gospel, but, um, you know, I know there's something wrong between me and the Holy Spirit. I know I'm not giving the Holy Spirit authority. There's a phrase for that in the Bible. It's called grieving the Holy Spirit. So right now, if you know that your mind, your heart, or your flesh is postured away from God, even though if you're, you're, you're his kid, you've been, you've been saved, you're just not living as a kid. You know? You're just in rebellion against him in some simple way. Don't think it has to be like crazy hard stuff. I want you to be open right now in your seat or to go to the people on the edges. You don't have to say what it is. 
But y'all, there's so much scripture that teaches that the laying on of hands is important for our journeys. So don't be scared to just let your seat creak and go over and just, just kneel before somebody and let them just be led to pray over you. But here's what we're looking for. I want you to give a second for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction in your life, not condemnation. God's not looking at you from within saying, I hate you. He's inside of you. He loves you. But allow right now the Holy Spirit to tell you the thing that you already know you're doing that's off from Him. Gosh, what a sweet thing to hear from you, God. Uh, I'm trying to think about y'all, but I just feel like the Spirit gave me something. Uh, I just want to say it out loud to y'all. If anyone wants to hear it later, I'll tell you. But it's something just really simple the Spirit just convicted me of. If you're not sensing the Holy Spirit convicting, then either you're perfect or you're already in a really active relationship with the Spirit or you got some barriers that we want to overcome right now. And I would say that the simplest way is just let someone pray over you. Let someone lay hands on you. Let someone give you something of the Spirit. If anything feels forced right now, if anything feels like you're being pushed to something, then, then stop and don't, don't let me facilitate anymore. But I'm going to give you one more chance. What do you have that you know is grieving the Holy Spirit? Give the Holy Spirit time to grieve in you. Let God be sad and let God bring conviction and let God invite you back home right now. (laughs) Oh, it's such a sweet thing. You can go from guilty feeling to deeply aware of your innocence and your forgiveness in a matter of seconds. Let the Holy Spirit do that to you. Let the Spirit name out the thing that is off. And just do something. No worship song, no Bible, no no person speaking at you. It's the Spirit's job to bring conviction. Let it. All right, so let's push this a little bit further. Got a couple minutes, I think, pushing it, but... um, all right, we're going to go for it. Uh, let's push a little further here. Just checking to make sure that's okay with the Lord. Um, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the authority of God. That's this light in the middle of this being. The authority of heaven, the knowledge of heaven is now placed within you and I. I want you to think about something that you are trying to decide right now something that maybe you've been putting off, you know it needs to be decided. There's an unknown ahead of you. There's some anxiety about it, maybe, some stress about it. I want you to imagine that God has placed in you His Ruach, His Holy Spirit. That Spirit is God Himself. He has already seen the future. He already knows who you're going to marry. He knows what job is best. He knows what city He knows what your roommate is up to. He knows whether or not you have the words to unlock something. But your mind, your heart, and your body is trying to take over. Try to solve it like like our flesh does. Would you right now go to the edge of the cliff with the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom, authority, 
to know what is right. <laughs> oh man, this is cool stuff. Uh, I'm trying, I just keep trying to focus on y'all, but I just want to go with God in the corner and just have some fun. Um, Lord, if anybody in here right now needs someone to lay hands over them and pray over them, they don't even have to say out loud what they're dealing with. Please give them the confidence just to go to the edge of the room. Again, just the laying on of hands is a part of this sometimes. It could just be a phrase. It doesn't have to be tonight, but a phrase that just needs to be solved. The leaders in the room could be praying over everyone as you pray for yourselves. James says if we ask the Lord for wisdom, he will give it. It's a promise, y'all, from God. What is the point of the Holy Spirit if there's no authority in the Holy Spirit? What's the point of having God in us if he's going to be quiet when we need him? So, Father, would you not be quiet if someone here is trying to decide something We're coming to you and we're asking you, Holy Spirit, tell us. So I'm going to give about 30 seconds of just quiet. And I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit will begin to speak legitimacy, authority, righteousness, direction, vision, answers, wisdom. Push yourselves. think your mind has an answer, but you're not sure, don't go with that. Don't, do, don't go with what you think you know. Go with what you know you know. Your feelings are taking over. Sacrifice your body, Romans 12 says. Sacrifice your feelings. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak louder than your heart. Your body says you can't. You don't have the time know if the Holy Spirit tells you right now what is right to do? Do you know the Holy Spirit is going to bend time for you? The Holy Spirit says, go call your parents tonight and just like tell them you love them, preach the gospel to them. And you say, I got a test tonight. You don't think the Holy Spirit can bend around that? Father, would you give everybody here just a little bit of authority to walk out of this room tonight with a simple Thing that you wanted to do. And very last thing, what if the thing that the Holy Spirit is telling you to do right now, you are scared out of your mind to do it because you don't have power? And what if right now you ask the Holy Spirit for that power? That's his job. Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. If you need some power right now, again, people on the edges of the room, allow someone to just lay hands on you and silently pray over you. I'm going to give you a few more seconds of silence. Beg the Spirit for a type of power that comes from within. Quit trying to get it from without. You're never going to be smart enough. You're never going to be fast enough. It's going to have to be you plus Jesus that does the work. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill in the gaps. Beg him for power. Beg him now. And in these moments, what stretched you out 10 seconds ago can feel like nothing when the yoke of Jesus is your yoke. Father, give rest for the soul. Power to calm. Vision for the future. 
All right, last few seconds. Anything you got to say to the Holy Spirit or listen to from the Holy Spirit? Do it. As we close, would, would maybe one person like to just stand up and bless God for the Holy Spirit right now? Anybody, anybody that feels just overjoyed that God would see you and know you and, and, and really understand you? Would anybody just want to just stand up and just pray us out just by blessing God? He values you so much that His Ruach is in you.